0: King. Oh, 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 who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be set free, oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me, oh, 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 to order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace my faith that you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be set free, oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me, yes Lord you are worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquers the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquers the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain.
1: Worthy, worthy, worthy,
0: oh, this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place. I sing for all that You've done for me. All that You've done for me. Oh, For all that you've done for us, Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name When the sun's shining down on me When the world's all as it should be Blessed be your name Blessed be your name On the road marked with suffering Though there's pain in the offering Blessed be your name. Every blessing, every blessing you pour out, I'll, I'll turn back to pray. Yeah. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the You give and take away You give and take away My heart will choose to say Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away You give and take away You give and take away My heart will choose to say Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glory. name, amen. Amen, blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are with us when the sun's shining down on us and when it's not. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have found such joy in our salvation. We know, God, that you give us perfect peace. salvation with made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul. Gentle breathing.
1: You all tonight to Living Word Community Church. Good to have you all here with us. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you Lord God. We thank you for this day. We thank you Lord God that you have brought us into the house of God to worship you and glorify you with the ecclesia, those who have been called out, those who have been saved, who have been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to just Lord praise you this night and exalt you. I want to lift up a prayer, Lord God, for uh, grace in our church, Lord God, who's been running a fever. She's home, Lord God, with 103 fever. Right now, we're going to ask, in the name of Jesus, that Lord, just as you laid your hands upon Peter's mother-in-law, and that fever left her in a second, she got up and she began to serve you and the apostles. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we're praying that you would speak that healing word into her body, Touch her with your healing hands, and that you would make Grace Rufo well, Lord God, on this night. I want to pray a, a blessing, Lord God, upon her, and that you would heal her. And I want to pray, Lord God, for, for a dear sister, Lord, a family that, Lord, had built our church with us, uh, Bethany, Lord God, out in um, Pennsylvania. Lord God, I just want to pray for her healing, Lord God, just with what's going on, being bitten by a tick. Father, we want to pray again that your healing hand would be upon her and that you would make her well. And we lift these sisters up to you, Lord God, and maybe other people who are on our hearts. We pray for their healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, God bless you all. Kids, you can go. You can be seated. Oh, I thought it was grace. So God knew. I, just, I didn't know that. We talk about the gifts, the gifts of healing. It says in the scriptures, gifts of healing. And uh, the, gifts, the gifts of healing speaks about people who have been given specific gifts for different types of healing. So through my ministry, I have prayed. When I have prayed for people with fever, I've seen the fever leave them. I'll give you my daughter. This is how I really kind of first discovered this. My daughter Chrissy was running a very high fever. Uh, We're at the house, and we're with with a man who helped us to build, um, actually do some of the the major building uh, in the church in the early days. And uh, my daughter was violently ill. And she just, I mean, she, I mean, let me tell you, she threw up projectile. And she laid down, and her fever was really high. It was like 103. And we just went over and laid hands on her. And I'm telling you, like that, she got up. She was running around. The fever was gone. So um, just, I, I, again, I, I have not seen that type of healing. <laughs> I pray for people for healing all the time. But with fever, we've seen... Um, You know, we've seen some dramatic things, but God has given many gifts to us in the body of Christ. We need to use them for the building up of the uh, of the body. So let me come back. I need to come back to uh, my sermon. Mike set me up. Am I up? No. If we can't get the uh, message up on number 16, maybe I'll just share with you some messages that God has been giving me in my morning time with him. We're talking about that. We did a meeting with all the teachers tonight up in my office and uh, just talking about the joy of the Lord, of reading his word every day. And I was saying, and I've said this to you, I'm in the Lord 40 years, and I am more excited about coming to God's word each morning than I've ever been. And it's not supposed to be that way, right? As you get older, you're supposed to get more, you know, bored and, you know, with the things that you've been doing throughout your life. Not the Word of God. So what I'm going to share with you tonight, we're we're, we're in the book of Numbers, and on Wednesday nights, we're in the Gospel of Mark, again, talking about the resurrection. This we're going to talk about overcoming unbelief. How to overcome unbelief from uh, Mark chapter 16. But for tonight... The Wilderness Test, Numbers chapter 16, and we'll be looking at Numbers chapter 17. Numbers, again, the, the purpose of the book, the numbering of Israel, but the book is about the rebellion, and many rebellions, and rebellions that really determine their destiny, because their rebellion caused an entire generation, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb to die in the desert. God wanted to bring them into the promised land. could have brought them in in literally a matter of a few months. They could have been from Egypt through the Red Sea and in the promised land. But because of their rebellion, 38 years. 38 years, right? Wandering. And before they, they actually came in to the promised land. And again, only Joshua and Caleb. So, I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you, again, we're, we're going to be looking at number 16, but I want to share some passages with you. I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1-11. I want you to stand for the reading of the word. Important, important passage of scripture that speaks to us. So the word of God, more of a brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they th- drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. How many of you realize the water that flowed from the rock was Jesus? He is a rock. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. Examples. Lock that one into your mind. These were examples. Numbers 16, numbers from chapter 1 to the end of the book are examples to us, let me tell you, of what not to do. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So, Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts and minds to your word. Lord God, teach us as we sit Jesus at your feet, and Lord God, we just pray that you'd be glorified in our study of your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen. So, what you you look here, again, and a lot of what is being, you know, spoken of here, you know, by Paul through the Holy Spirit, talks about the Red Sea being a type of baptism. The spiritual food is a reference to manna, and essentially the fulfillment of the the feeding of the manna is the Lord's Supper. Water from the rock, right? Christ is the rock, and really a a picture of water is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit flowing from Jesus. The rebellion in Exodus 32, the golden calf, 23,000 killed. That's speaking of Numbers 15, we haven't gotten there yet. The serpents, okay, that's Numbers 21. Again, we haven't gotten there yet. And the complaining. The complaining goes on, right? You see it really begin in chapter 12, and it goes on through the entire book. And when we're looking here at chapter 16 and 17, you're going to see that, again, there was a lot of complaining. So there were examples. Learn from others' examples. And here, they're painful examples. And they're great examples to learn so that you do not need to experience them yourself. So I'm going to refer you to another key passage. So again, these things are examples for us, and to realize that the Israelites were being tested. So when you go to Deuteronomy, okay, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. The second giving of, of the law is given to that new generation that gets to enter into the promised land. But notice what it says in Deuteronomy 8.2. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. So the, the test was in the wilderness. It was essentially a test of humility. It was a test to prove their character, their faithfulness, their love for God, their fear of God. And the test essentially was a way of revealing whether they were obedient to him or disobedient to him. So I want to, I want to relate this to us in our walk today where we are with Jesus. The first thing is, we are on a journey. Like the Israelites, we are on a journey through the wilderness. Have you noticed that? We are in a wilderness as Christians. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 say. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conduct honorable amongst the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of his visitation. Now, what is a sojourner? A sojourner is somebody who is a temporary resident. So we had, we had a, a family here at Living Word a few years ago. They worked for the United Nations. They were from Nigeria. Actually, a beautiful family. I don't know if you, if you remember them. Uh, beautiful mom and dad, the kids. And, um, but they were sojourners. Their home was Nigeria. Essentially, their home was heaven. But they're, you know, they, just, they, they were here, temporary residents of the United States of America. That's what a, a sojourner is. We are temporary residents of this world. And then notice the word pilgrims. Pilgrims are people who are on a journey home. They're they're passing through. We're passing through this world. As as people, we're not of this world. I don't know, again, the more you you experience this world, the more you realize that. We are sojourners, we are pilgrims. We are people of heaven. And you know what? what The exhortation here that, that Peter is given. As people of heaven, what he's saying is, act like it. Act like it. Be you know, be examples to the world to the unbelievers around you. So I want to share something. This is a number of years. Ago. This is this is a number of years ago. Now, many of you, you know, weren't here. We had a, 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 a dinner and we did one of the um, international dinners. And what we did was. I forget, it was one of the pastors prayed, and then it was dinner time. And a group of people went up to that, to that feast like they hadn't eaten in, in a month. And they filled their plates to the brim with food, not even thinking that maybe there wouldn't be enough food for the people behind them. Joanne, you were, you were at my house on Saturday, and you, you were saying, I ate, I ate lunch before I went to a wedding. And it was my, my nephew's wedding, and Joanne said, aren't you going to eat at the wedding? I always eat before I go, because I'm not going to be one of those people who are, you know, who are running up and gra- you know, grabbing all the food. I'll, I'll, I'll be the last one to eat here at the church, and I've always set, you know, set that standard, make sure everybody has eaten before I'll come, in, uh, come up and fill up my plate. But I, I, at, at one point, I, I, had to, I, had to look at, I had to look at the people, and I had to say to them, remember who you are. And the next morning, when I got into the pulpit and you know the church was it actually the church was uh, upstairs at the time, I just said that, remember who you are because I think you forgot, and we have a tendency to forget who we are. Re- remember who you are that, that you are a people who are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. you are a people who do love Others as you love yourself. And to do unto others what you would like them to do unto you. Remember that your purpose is to glorify God in word and deed. So again, we're on a journey. We're sojourners. But I think at times, we forget who we are. And we start to blend in to the world around us which, again, is ever working to conform you into its image. Romans 12.2. Second point here. This world is not our home. We are in a desert. We are in a wilderness. Hebrews 13.14 tells us, for this world is not our home, we are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. You know, when you're driving with your kids, you're going somewhere, off. Of the, what do they say? Yeah, oh, are we there yet? Right? Are we there yet? Well, guess what? We're not there yet. We're, 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 not, home. we're not home yet. This world is not our home. Philippians chapter 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, a, I'm a, a patriotic, I think you saw that on Sunday when I wore my patriotic shirt. I'm a patriotic American. I love... You know, what America has stood for, uh, freedom, the land of opportunity, the free enterprise system, the constitution. I don't like what America is becoming and really has become. America is becoming, you know, more and more a socialistic, communistic country of incredible corruption. Our our White House is is filled with corruption and you see see injustice. In all of the institutions that I once looked looked up at, I mean, you, I, I can't even say that the FBI has become the fake Bureau of Investigation. The Justice Department has become the Injustice Department, and persecuting Christians, they're persecuting real Christians who are in the front lines. And um, you know, as, as I as I look at you know, again, as I look at this, I used to you know kind of really, again, identifying my patriotism as an American, I'm losing that. And I'm realizing more and more that, that we're not to attach ourselves right to these world systems, even though they may be superior to others, which I, I really believe, it, again, this great experiment of the United States of America was superior to anything that has come across. It's not perfect, it was filled with flaws. The capitalistic system, free enterprise system is filled with people of greed. Terrible people. They'll use people. They'll enslave people. It's not a perfect system, but it's better. It's better than totalitarianism or communism or socialism. I want to be free. I want to be free to be able to worship my God. I want to be able to free free to be able to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ without being locked up in jail or being, being killed. But more and more in this country, I'm realizing this is not my home. I am a citizen of heaven. Not of this world. The the world in the scriptures is not the trees, it's not the birds, it's not the mountains, it's not, you know, the clouds in the sky. The world is described to us in first John chapter two verse fifteen through seventeen, and it points out three, three like battlefronts of the world. It says do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Who is the leader of the world? Satan. Three times Jesus said, He is the ruler of this world. He's the prince and power of the air. He's the God of this age. But the world is that which is under the dominion of Satan. And we are not. Of the world. Third thing, we live now in a hostile wilderness. You can find many passages that, again, will support this. Jesus said at the Last Supper in John chapter 15, 18 through 20, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. We are, we are in a, a wilderness that is hostile. I want to show you, I want to show you something interesting. When, when the Israelites were wandering okay, through the desert, through the desert now. They haven't come into the promised land. When they come into the promised land, they had to basically defeat the seven nations, okay, that were in the promised land. The Canaanites, okay, you have uh, all the different ites, the seven ites that were there. But when they were wandering, okay, through the desert, which which is essentially east of Israel, who were their enemies? No, no, they, 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 they were actually... You know, they, they were enemies. They—they they were the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites. I want you to—I want you to think of this: the Ammonites and the Moabites. Who did they come from? Lot's daughters. Lot. They were relatives. And the Edomites, who were they the descendants of? Esau. Jacob's brother Esau. They were family. The persecution, notice, for the most part, the hostility that they experienced in the wilderness came from family. You know where most persecution of Christians comes from? Family members, right? Jesus said, I haven't come, right, to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And where is that sword? There will be hostility between a father and son, between brothers, between sisters, between a a mother and child, between a mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. But that always is the case anyway. (laughs) That's a joke. I set you up for that joke. That wasn't true in my family, right? My wife and my mom, uh, they still, my mom's, my mom's 96, she's still going. But um, essentially, though, the, the, the hostility came from family members. And uh, you study, you, you, you kind of look at persecution through the ages. A lot of persecution comes from family members. Some of you may be experiencing that right now. Thank God, you know, they're not taking you out and stoning you. One Jewish family, After the Holocaust, the mother and father were Holocaust survivors. They moved to Israel, had a son. Son grew up to be a teenager and gave his life to Jesus. The father took him outside and killed him. You know, that's... I mean, thank the Lord we're not not experiencing that type of hostility. But we do. We experience hostility from our family members. I remember my first experience... And again wasn't traumatic. It didn't leave scars. But I had an uncle who was one of the first people to die of AIDS. He was a homosexual. He was one of the first people to die of AIDS of New York. And we didn't know what it was. So basically what had happened was, you know, the immune system shut off. And um, basically he looked like he had burns all over his body. And you know, his immune system, just it, the things we take for granted, how our immune system can be dealing with the, the different you know elements that surround us. So he, they brought him up to Sloan oh, I think it, was, it wasn't Sloan Kettering. They brought him up to the hospital that, that specializes in burn victims. might have been Cornell Medical or some one, one of the big hospitals they focus, and they had him in this like in, in this like I mean, he was, he was in this plastic bag, trying to you know. Keep them from any of the, uh, the you know, the, the bacteria in the environment. But we're on the elevator, Sue and I, and my mother, and we're going. To, and so my his brother, Uncle Dom. Uncle Dom is like five feet tall, and he's as wide as he is tall. And Uncle Dom, I have my Bible. I'm a new believer. I've got my Bible in my hands. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a It wasn't like this, right? It was a, a little, you know. Bible you can hold in your hand. And my uncle comes up to me in the elevator, and he gets like right in my face, and I'm like, I'm like looking down, and he starts like cursing at me, and I won't even tell you, like, he's like, he's like, he's yelling out with foul language, what, you know, are you, are you a rabbi? What are you, rabbi, what are you, rabbi? And he's screaming at me. Now, I, I could have taken Uncle Dom like this and lifting him up. I mean literally. I mean it was like at the time I'm like I'm like two hundred and sixty pounds and I'm as wide as I as I am tall, you know, with with the lifting and everything. So my mother she jumps in front of me and she's like, Don't you ever talk to my son that way And she starts screaming at him. But that was a little little taste of um you know persecution. And, uh, and that, that happened from time to time in the family. You know, when, when, I, when I would ask to pray at a dinner, right, it was like, let the fanatic pray. <laughs> let the fanatics, for the fanatics are coming to dinner. Actually, I go to, I go to my, my mother and father's house, and my father would go up to the bedroom. My sister would run to the bedroom. My brother would go to another room. God bless my mother, she sat there. And over the course of time, they came They came to believe. But um, yeah, a little persecution. It comes from family. And Israel, as it wandered through the wilderness, it came from family. The, the fourth thing is, we, like Israel, are being tested. Again, referring you to Deuteronomy 8.2, They were in the desert being tested. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. You know where we are right now? This is a test. This is a test. The life you are living right now is a test. Every morning when I get up, today... I am going to be tested. 24-7, 365 days a year, every day is a test. Am I going to pass my tests or am I going to fail my tests? Today there were many tests. I was tested today in, 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 a, num- in a number of ways. But we will be tested in this life that we live in. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know the word faith, the word belief, belive, the way we live is going to be tested. Now I want to show you, I want to show you something. The parable of the sower. I'm going to give you a little bit of a different perspective of the parable of the sower tonight. I'll use Mark. Mark chapter 13, verse 18 through 23. I'm sorry, Matthew. Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony place, of places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation and persecution arise, because of the word immediately stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns, is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. What you have here in the parable of the sower, okay, in essentially the the first three types of soil, are tests. The, the, The ground is the heart. The seed is the word of God. And the sower is the Lord. And we will be tested, watch, we will be tested by the wicked one. The beaten path. Job was tested, by who? By the wicked one. Jesus was tested by the wicked one. He was tested in the garden, he was tested in the three temptations at the beginning of his ministry. Peter was tempted by the wicked one, when he denied the Lord three times. But Satan will come and test you. We will be tested by tribulation, stony ground, trouble, problems. They come, we all have them, right? I have problems, you have problems, All oh, God's children has problems. You ever hear that one before? But they come. They, they They come in in all sizes, they come in all shapes they come in all ways there well, they could be you know spiritual right You will have spiritual trials, you'll have physical trials, you'll have an emotional trial, relational trials, financial trials will be tested by persecution right Uncle Doms. I'll tell you you've heard of John Wesley, John Wesley and charles Wesley we 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 sing a lot of Charles Wesley's hymns from time to time here. He was a great hymn writer. John was the great preacher. England was on the verge of a civil war. England was on the verge of a, of a revolution like the French Revolution. The French Revolution was an incredible blood mass. People were, I mean, men, wom- women, children, babies, they, just the slaughter was horrible. And England was on the verge. The Wesleys led a revival. I believe that, that saved England from a, uh, a revolution. But... The Wesley's father was a preacher in an Anglican church and he preached the word. And the church had basically become very lukewarm, very Laodicean, even, even worse than Laodicea. I'd say it was more like Sardis, just totally dead. And they did not want to hear the word of God. They wanted religion. They, you know, they wanted to come in and, you know, come in and sit, stand, and, you know, and kneel and feel like they did their duty to God and they would walk out. And he's preaching repentance. He's preaching to them, you need to repent. You're going to hell if you don't repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to turn away from your sins and you need to turn to the Lord and give your life to the Lord. And what they did was, now the, the Wesleys, they had 18 kids. The church people set the house on fire and tried to destroy and basically kill the entire family. John Wesley was a baby in the upper tower and a fireman came in and rescued John Wesley. That's why John Wesley his theme in life was snatched from the flames. But it was church people who brought that persecution, okay, upon the Wesley's. And John Wesley's entire ministry, again, he was he, I mean, he, he was so on fire for God. You know what? They asked him, you know, why do so many people come from all around to hear you? He goes, it's really easy. You just douse yourself in, in oil and then set yourself on fire and they come to watch you burn. But he was on he was on fire for God. But again, he experienced persecution. There was a period where he wasn't experiencing persecution. And he was riding on his horse. He traveled from town to town preaching the gospel. And he was riding on the horse. And he he was concerned because he hadn't been persecuted in some of the previous places that he preached. So he got down in the middle of the field and is praying. And there was this big brawler drunk who used to follow John Wesley around and scream and curse at him. He was coming across the field and he had a brick in his hand. He threw the brick at Wesley, missed his head by a couple of feet, and John Wesley jumped on his horse and rode away, praising God that he was found worthy to suffer persecution for Jesus Christ. Persecution will be a test. We will be tested by the cares of this world. The Greek word for cares, it carries with it. This is, again, these are the cares of the world. So it's not so much talking about personal cares. It, it's the worry, the distractions. You know, people, people you know, you, you see, but what's going on in the Ukraine? What's, you know, what's going on in, you know, in China? What's going on in Washington? And right now, everything going on, and, and they get distracted by all these things. But it's not, it's not what's in, right, in their sphere of life and now, with the media, with the internet, with our iPhones, right? People get distracted. They get distracted by all they consume by these things. See, Christians getting consumed by politics. And I think we should. We should vote, right? We should be involved in, the, in you know, voting for the candidate who lines up as closely to the Bible as they can. But I see people that becomes their life. Now they're, they're, they're totally devoted to politics. They're totally useless to God. You see that in, in, in both, both spectrums. Tested by the cares of this life. And I'm referring, I'm referring here now, uh, some of these, these passages are taken from the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke with the parable of the sower. You know, you get the full picture when you put the three different um accounts together but the cares of this life speaking about now your life the cares right got to pay the bills got to pay the mortgage got to pay the car payment got to pay the utilities inflation inflation is going you know, it's it's up 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 got something right doctor said hey you got a, i got a problem here with uh you know something here right or something there and we start to become again, we become consumed with these things. My car, my car, right? Today I found out I need I need four tires on that big truck, three hundred dollars a pop. Right? We get we get you know concerned about these things. And again, what they're they, they, they become distractions and they're robbing us. And the cares of life begin to consume us really kind of swallow up our our, our faith and choke our faith. Tested by the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches, the ultimate deceitfulness is, I'm rich and I don't need God. I don't need, look what I've I've accomplished. Look at my house. Look at my 401k. Right, look at the car I drive. I don't need God. That's the, the ultimate deceitfulness of wealth. Deceitfulness of wealth is also I'm superior to you because I'm wealthier than you. I'm superior to you because I I live in a nicer neighborhood than you live in. Or I'm superior to you because I have nicer clothes. Or I'm superior to you because I have a nicer car. And that's, again, the deceitfulness of, of wealth. Tested by the lust for other things. The Greek word here for, for lust," it describes a passionate, strong desire, a longing. Like, I have to, I have, to have that. And it, it, it's not just speaking about, you know, sexual lust. It's, it's, it could be, again, it could be the lust for money. It could be the lust of material possessions. It could be the, you know, the lust for clothes, the lust for a handbag, the lust for shoes. And it's, the word, it's interesting, the the Greek word epithymia, it speaks about like the erupting of a volcano. The person becomes so, I mean, think about this, you know, we've all experienced this. We've we've lusted after something that we thought was going to make us happy, right? If I only get that, I'm going to be happy. How about the car, right? You get that new car, man, it's like, it's all shiny, right? You get in there and you like the new car smell. It really kind of it kind of gets you a thrill, and then you know, as the days go by and the weeks go by and the months go by, all of a sudden that car doesn't thrill you anymore. And then you got a scratch on it, and oh no, I got it. Then you get into a fender bender, and you got that big dent in the car, and all of a sudden, right, it's it's not a thrill anymore. Whatever you own owns you. Whatever you own will own you. But again just tested by the lust of things, tested by the pleasures of this life. Greek word for pleasure is hedon. You know, we get hedonistic. It's the idea, again, this, this, this obsession, this delight in pleasure. I'll tell you, this is America. Obsessed, obsessed with pleasure. The pleasure of eating, the pleasure of drinking, the, the pleasure of entertainment. We, we are entertaining ourselves to hell Just the hours that people spend, I mean, what is it, 40, 50 hours of of, of the average person spends watching television. Just one entertaining, you know, just entertain me, entertain me, entertain me. We're obsessed with with just, again, being entertained with relaxation. So here's where I want to wrap up tonight. I'll be digging really deep into numbers Right, for the next few weeks, 1617. And essentially, it, it, it is characterized by Korah's rebellion. It's called Korah's Rebellion. So, in Numbers 1613, I'm sorry, 161 through 3, now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Irbarum, uh the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Pilath, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men in renown, and they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Right? We saw that back in, in chapter 14. We're seeing it here again. You're going to see it a number of other times as you go through the book of Numbers. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves, For all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? What was inside of the Ark of the Covenant? Tells us there were three things. Miguel, don't start arguing with me about that. But you have the Ten Commandments. Symbolizes rebellion against God's commandments. Okay, you have the jar of manna. Symbolizes rebellion against God's provision. And then you have Aaron's staff that budded. We'll look at that again. It happens in the next uh, couple of chapters. It is symbolic of rebellion against God's appointed authority. This is a picture of rebellion against God's appointed authority. Moses and Aaron, those were God's selected leaders. Now, I'm going to skip ahead. Again, I'll cover this with you next week. I'm going to take you all the way up to verse 31 through 35 and just show you where it ended. Because it didn't end pretty. Moses actually prayed for these men. Moses got down as he always did, right? He got down and he got on his knees and he and Aaron begged God to have mercy on these people. But they crossed the line. Here is a lesson. For us all to learn. And now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. That is what 1 Corinthians 10 is talking about. Learn the lesson. Learn the lesson. So here's just, again, a, you know, a, a, a final note. It says, it says in Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11. Have you, you know, noticed this as you read the book of Ecclesiastes? They said, if you really want to have a headache, and you want to twist your brain into knots, go through the book of Ecclesiastes four or five times over the course of the next few weeks. It's just, it's, it's just an interesting book of, of a lot of confusing thoughts and ideas that Solomon gives up until the ending. He's an atheist at some points, right? He's an annihilist at another point. He's a believer at another point. <laughs> By the way, if you're, if you're older, read the last chapter. It's for, it's for older people. I'm, I'm in that category now. You've got to read the last chapter for older people. <laughs> it's really disheartening. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 1, 9-11, he says this over and over again. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in the future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. I'll tell you, that is a word, though, of great wisdom. If you study history, humanity repeats the same mistakes over and over and over. just war after war, annihilation after annihilation... Right? Genocide after genocide. It's, it's happening now, and it's been happening. goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. But it's true. But we don't want to be one of those people who don't learn from history and don't learn from what we say in the Scripture. Don't make the mistakes of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham don't make the mistakes that you're going to see in the upcoming weeks that Israel made that cost. They died in the desert. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. And, Lord, we thank you. You know, there there are wonderful exhortations. There are wonderful, Lord God, admonitions. There are, are wonderful words of encouragement. And, Lord God, then there are wonderful words of warning. Teach us to take these words to heart. They will equip us and empower us, Lord God, to live effective lives, bringing glory to Jesus Christ. And Lord God, keep us from much pain and causing pain to others. So, Father God, we thank you and we praise you on this night. And in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Folks, stand with me. We're going to close. Kim will lead us with the worship team in a final song. And then we will open it up if you'd like to pray tonight. We can pray. We'll pray tonight in small groups and spend a little time interceding.
0: I'm forgiven I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted we honor you tonight and we thank you God for tonight's word and this time of worship Lord we pray God Holy Spirit that you would be with us as we pray tonight Lord reveal yourself to us as we pray in Jesus name we pray